Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about box trucks, new baits at iCast, old fish pictures, and even more travel woes. Hope you guys enjoy the show. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We're spread all around the country right now, and um, it's bright and early in Arizona where I'm at. It's a little bit later. I'm in Florida, but I'm um, happy to be back together and uh, talking to you guys. We're a couple days late, um, but we're at least in the right week here for a podcast. So um, thank you all for tuning in and uh, let's see what's going on with the guys. Nick, since we missed you last week, man, we got to hear what's going on with you first. What, uh, nice. what's the word? Well, as you can see, I have the most facial hair, second most facial hair I've ever had in my life. I have no shirt on, but I'm here. So it's, uh, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind trip, but first I have to make note, Josh, it looks like you're in the Orlando magic locker room with that Royal blue wall behind you. Did you somehow like, is that where you're staying? It's hilarious. Yeah, we're actually in a pretty nice spot this week. We, uh, this is my second hotel of the week, and I'll go into kind of where I've been. But I'm, I'm in a in a nice hotel, kind of uh, downtown Orlando right now. Um, ICAST, yeah. your sp- sponsors put you up in a nice place, so I'm excited yeah. about that. But it, unfortunately, it's not the Orlando Magic locker room. It looks like it, man, but it's good to know that you've commanded the high rent district with all the immense value you bring. I'm happy. No more roach moaches for you. So, yeah, I had one the last few days. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> cool. But, yeah, man, we uh, we blew in. We're finally back here in the heat and humidity of beautiful Phoenix, Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, I did the math, and so my kids start school tomorrow. In the last 46 nights, 42 of them have been spent in a bed that didn't belong to me in my bedroom so we've been on the global world tour and it has come to an end but uh we did we did a lot of things and you know i really thought the wyoming leg of summer was going to be really fishing centric and i was going to come to you with tales of humongous trout and epic muskies and giant carp on fly rods but really all that trip descended into was i'm pretty sure our second bout with covid and we spent 16 days like curled up in little balls, dying stick and uh, limped home on the airplane. So we don't really have anything that excited to report to about Wyoming. That's unbelievable. Dude, it just is what it is, you know, but we, uh, we were sick, man. And I, I tested negative, but man, I was, I was contagious Charlie because I started it, gave it to my niece, gave it to my sister, gave it to my infant, gave it to my middle child. We, uh, we went down in flames, but we, we gave it the college effort. We spent a couple of nights over in the islands of Pinedale, which is like really where I grew up in Wyoming. And I was super bummed because that was like the, the pinnacle of sickness. And I've got a buddy over there. He listens to the podcast, Casey. And uh, dude, he was so cool. He was trying everything he could to get me out on the water because it's been pretty dang good over there and just didn't make it happen, man. We were just sick and in a hotel room and in, in an effort to preserve my marriage, I figured it, and maybe his life with all of my sickness, sure. decided not to go. But dude, he caught two huge musky <laughs> like the day we left. I didn't even realize that was on the menu, but uh, he's super fishy and nice for trying to get me out, but didn't make it happen. Man, dude, so did you guys have all the, like, I mean, did you have the COVID symptoms, man? Like, did you have the, oh. <laughs> the chest stuff and the lung stuff? Dude, I I feel like it's I the condition I lovingly refer to it now is campfire lungs. Where like you, you know when you're sitting by a campfire and all the smoke comes to you and you can't breathe and it's like really enjoyable. That was what was like waking me up in the middle of the night and like oh dude it was crazy. So yeah, we had all those symptoms and dude I couldn't smell, I couldn't taste. Oh, I didn't you. know what I didn't know what planet I was on. I had so much head congestion. 
Dude, my infant coughed for like 10 days. My niece is 13. She was still coughing when I left. She coughed for like two weeks. So if anyone wants to come over for an all-you-can-eat buffet at my house, you're welcome to. I'll be serving it up. Lord have mercy. It's crazy. But, you know, they talk all – Yeah, for the most part. We might have a little bit of like emotional, you know, leftover issues. But physically, I think we're – my my infant's still coughing, but it'll be fine. Should we put masks on for the Zoom meeting? You should. Yeah. Okay. You know, even though I flew United, I feel like this is the Delta variant that I'm coughing through the microphone. So <laughs> breathe, breathe deeply. Wow. But I, but I will tell you, dude. So like, you know, we, we base camped out of Casper and Casper has a, a small regional airport. That's the size of like half of an old radio shack. And uh, um, so you fly on these tiny little commuter jets into Denver. And my son turned two on this trip. And the rule is, is that under two is considered a lap child. So you don't have to buy a ticket. He just sits in your lap and screams and makes everyone miserable, but he's on your lap and you didn't pay for that. And trying to be like upstanding, rule following, good American citizens. My wife intelligently is like, I'm going to buy a ticket for the back half of this trip because I have a feeling that something's going to be, you know, let's just be prepared. Smart. We did that. So even though he's crossed that threshold, he still is very much the screaming has to be in your lap, difficult to control night 23 month old that he started the trip as, even though he's two. He so did make that this, transition on his birthday, huh? I, I thought it would be a light switch, bro. I like so many things in life are, but apparently this one's not. So we get on this little plane that like, we were supposed to leave at five at two o'clock. I checked my phone and realized that they had changed our flight to three 30. I've never seen a flight move earlier. That's jacked so, that, up. so that was cool because we would have missed that. But luckily they had the decency to delay that three, three, three thirty back to five. But we like Chinese fire drill to the airport. We get on this little commuter jet. We're taxiing out. And then he says, oh, well, Denver just told us that the air traffic controller has no space for us for the next 30 minutes. So we're just going to idle here on the tarmac and we'll take off when we can cool so that's always fun so my son is like in my lap and he's doing all of his crazy gyrations and the flight attendant was like probably just having a day and she'd probably been yelled at and everything but quickly told me that i needed to keep him in check like okay duly noted so dude we get him to fall asleep we're up in the air we're 80 percent to denver and she comes over and she taps me on the shoulder and she says how old's your son I was like, oh, isn't this heartwarming? This lady is like going to act interested in my kid. Like, wow, I'm turning a corner here. It's like, oh, he's two. She's like, okay, then he's going to need to sit in that seat over there. He's he's asleep in my wife's lap after being like a pill for the first 90 minutes of that. I looked at her and I was like, are you asking me to wake up a two-year-old to go put him in a seat by himself? She said, no, I want you to sit over there. He can sit next to his mom. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. We didn't do that. I thought I was going to get arrested in Denver. I was like, I'm going to be that guy that's on like Fox News, like, you know, pumping his fist in the air as he's getting arrested. I was like, incredible, man. So long story short, I quickly revised. I was like, oh, no, no, no. He turns two in August. So I told a lie. Probably going to have terrible karma for the next six months. But on what planet do you wake up a sleeping two-year-old to put him in his own seat? That's a good idea. She should do that. I'm sure she has her own kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what my wife said. Do you have kids? I was like, easy, honey, I got this. And then I looked at her, do you have kids? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, dude. But then, you know, everything else went fine. And it's a first world problem to complain about something like that. But anyone who has had a two-year-old, like, would you ever effing wake up a two-year-old? Like, what? Oh, it's yeah. a gift from the gods. Cold, uncomfortable seat uh, in an un- <laughs> un- unfamiliar place. I'm sure, that, I'm sure he would have just kept sleeping. Oh, easily. Yeah, the transition would have been nothing. Yeah. Pretty oh, fun. Dude, I'm glad you're back home. I'm sure you're glad you're back home. And uh, everyone will be back in the swing of things tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, <laughs> you guys won't be uh, sick again for a while. Because I know uh, that's that's really kind of put a damper on both of your last couple trips. Yeah, thanks. It is. But, you know, yeah, we finished Mexico with like 10 days of incredible diarrhea going across the ranks of our kids and then went right into COVID 2.0. So we're doing pretty good. We're, we're high enthusiasm, high energy. Yeah, killing it. I like it. That's a tough one to follow up right there. <laughs> yeah, right, Rob. All I've seen is pictures of giant bass and a beautiful remodeled boat, 
massive yeah. bull elk videos. You can it's, follow it's that rough up. to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. That's uh, you just said it. I have nothing to say now. <laughs> well, I want no, to know got, about it. Got the boat running good. Uh, everything's going well with that. And did a little scouting this last weekend. Um, did you hit we burger saw, like, house? We didn't because we did it on Sunday. Oh, so such a bummer, huh? But I think we saw, I think, 18 or 19 bulls um, Sunday morning. So that was cool. And it rained a ton up there. I mean, it's that's the beauty of Arizona right now. We're getting more rain than I can remember. Um, it's been a you're, long time. Since. You're stealing it from the Rocky Mountains, bro. It is bone dry up in western really? Wyoming. But apparently it's all yeah. falling in my backyard and the rest of Arizona. Yeah, so that's that's one huge positive. So. What do they do when it's raining in the summer like that? Do they still bed down and hide from it, or are they like you know up and enjoying it? Well, rain and weather doesn't affect elk a whole lot. Okay, uh, coos deer, on the other hand, they're scared of their own shadow. So, anytime there's weather and you know lightning, thunder, wind, rain, uh, they bed down and uh, you know obviously once it stops raining, they get up and take advantage of it, but. Cool. Um, that's but elk, you know the norm at least. So. But elk don't care, huh? They're just out there partying, living their best yeah. life. Yeah, they're they're pretty. Yeah, they don't really care. So that's cool. I uh, I finally got around just before we started recording to posting uh, your boat with the new seats and carpet, so the listeners can check that out on Instagram. And uh, Rob also caught a couple. They caught a, uh, Rob and Boyd had gone out and they caught a couple of nice fish. So I posted the fish that you'd caught, Rob. Right on. Um, yeah, so that, you go check that out. Was that at Saguaro? It looked like Saguaro. Yep. Nice, yep. dude. And okay, so we're like mid July, and it was literally like a shad spawn. There was shad flicking up on the on the shore, and we caught them on top water. Um, like, explain that. It makes no sense, but probably was right. Like, it made it, it had to be. Yeah, it had. It was Very a late good. shad spawn, but okay. I mean, it was it was short lived. It was. Um, you know, in an area that we, we spent the morning, maybe an hour or the morning in a couple other areas and didn't have any bites. And we happened to go up this er into this area. And, um, it was literally because we were just looking for bighorn sheep <laughs> <laughs> and Boyd's like, I think one just blew up over there and he throws his buzzbait over there and catches like a four pounder. And then I caught that one that was over five on a walk. Funny story about that. So after, uh, you know, doing the carpet in the boat, I didn't have all my tackle in there and I forgot to put my top water box in there, but Boyd threw his backpack. He's got like a, just a, I don't know. It's an ASU like baseball backpack and he's got stuff full of tackle. Nice. And I'm like, man, I don't have any top water. He goes, Oh, I stole one of your top water boxes. It's in that backpack right oh. there. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. So I was able to dig one, out, dig one out, tie it on. And I caught that good one and missed another good one. So it's Dude, cool. did he catch the buzzbait fish out of a boil or did he just call one up to the surface? He These fish were just working these, working the bait up on the shore there. Um, as they were and then yeah he just it was just a random cast but pretty cool so it's fun. <laughs> yeah not not big numbers by any means but quality fish and then uh we saw the biggest desert uh, uh bighorn this on top was, of that oh this thing was giant but he had one side broken off oh wow like that that ram will die of of old age no one will ever shoot it because it's I mean, it's just, it's, it's damaged, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it in is. that perspective. Uh, so if you're a ram, but, that's what you want to do. Yeah. Break one side <laughs> off. <laughs> but it, it was, it was, a, he was so old, dude, he's not going to make it too long. Cause um, just with the naked eye, you could see him a long ways away. And he was like jet black compared to like the uh, other sheep. Just, to, just his age. I'm assuming. I don't think he was black, but he was like a real chocolate color, you know, but he just looked real dark. Um, and then you see one side of him, you're like, oh my goodness, that thing's huge. And then he turns away and you're like, eh. And we finally figured out he had one side completely broken off. So, well, on Ram Tinder, when he's meeting the ladies, he just makes his profile pick the good horn. He knows the and then when they show up, he's like, well, you know, you're here now and a, yeah. a milk chocolate on the outside. So, you know, <laughs> it's all good. So, yeah, it was kind of funny how the, 
looking for sheep ran us right into the fish. So it's pretty cool. That sounds like a pretty relatable pattern. You know, I'm sure, you know, when Josh gets pretty antsy on, you know, the second day, he starts relating to, you know, on land species patterns to dial in the bite. Yeah. He's looking for whitetail back east there. <laughs> smart, smart. I don't have the eye for that, dude. I can never see animals in general. So I'm, I'm, I don't have a trained eye. I'd be missing out. I'd be missing out everything if that was the pattern, man. I'd be screwed. Yeah. I think Josh is like I was when I was younger. Like I didn't even know like the shore existed, like anything beyond the lake. Like you're so focused on the fishing. You don't even notice what, what's around you. Now that I've become a hunter and, you know, got more interested in hunting whitetail and elk and stuff. Uh, I spend most of my day on the lake looking up on the shore and, you know, potential areas we want to go look at. So You're probably onto that, Rob, because for me, I've just been so inept for most of my day. I have to resort to like staring at buzzards and trying to turn them into eagles to be like, nice, saw an eagle. Cool. Caught three fish and saw an eagle. Oh, that was a redheaded one. Dude, that's the funniest thing. Like, (laughs) I don't know how many people I've had in the boat. Oh, yeah. There's a vulture and they call it an eagle. It's like, no. Well, it's like, I'm sure sure if you went far enough up the family tree, it kind of is an eagle. It's just like it's third cousin Eddie who lives in like, you know, a single wide down a dirt road, but it's almost an eagle. (laughs) Third cousin Eddie. (laughs) That's, That's funny. Well, dude, hey, that's cool, man. Sounds like you've honestly had a, a great couple of weeks in the outdoors and there's a lot more of it coming. So now that yep. the house is primarily done, right? Like you actually, uh, you're back yep. in business, back in business. So that's good. If anyone yep. is interested in going fishing too, Rob is back on the water. He's uh, he's running guide trips if anyone wants to go fishing with Rob. And uh, I'll be back in a couple months also. So uh, keep that in mind if you're looking for a trip. If you actually want to catch fish, go with Rob. And if you want to learn something about electronics, Go, go with me. If you want to take a selfie that will get you 300 likes, book Josh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick's on fire. He's, he's missed out on a couple of weeks, so he's ready to go. I love <laughs> it. Uh, well, that's cool. As far as uh, what's been going on my way, I'm, I'm here in Orlando. ICAST starts tomorrow. We're recording on a Tuesday. I sp- I've been here already for like four days. We had an Abu Garcia on the water event with some riders, kind of like a, a little bit of like, you call it a riders conference, but you know, they, they brought out a handful of, um, you know, pretty, pretty well-known riders from the bass fishing industry to basically come out and fish with us, try the new rods and reels and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe write some content about them and then just have a good time. So it, they're fun events because, um, First off, you're fishing. You're spending time with some cool people that are really into the outdoors. And, um, you know, just everything's kind of planned out. Have, have some good dinners and stuff like that. It's just a, f- a fun few days. Um, typically, I would just drive in in my truck and boat, and I'd have everything good to go, and I'd be I'd be a good guide, you know, with, with all the right stuff. But in this case, this was sandwiched in between two New York tournaments for me. And <laughs> we're obviously here in Orlando. So I, I wasn't going to really be able to drive my rig from New York to Orlando for two days of fishing and then back up to New York. So I started the hunt of borrowing, trying to find a, a borrowed boat and a borrowed truck. I ended up borrowing John Cox. Um, he, he lives just north of Orlando. I borrowed his boat that he had used last year and I couldn't find a truck. So he needed his truck, obviously, to get around town this week. So I got a, uh, called U-Haul, called a local U-Haul, and, and uh, rented a, just a regular single cab. They have like single cab half-ton trucks with tow hitches, and uh, it was going to work out fine. So I show up. I fly in on Friday. I land at like 5. The U-Haul closes at 7. So I, drive, I get an Uber over to the U-Haul. It's like 6 now. And there's my truck. It's sitting there. They got one. And I'm like, that must be mine. You know, and then other than that, they got all box trucks everywhere. And um, they're like, okay, yeah, I get signed in. They get my information. I pay. And uh, they're like, we'll be right out with the keys. And we'll pull it around for you. And like 30 minutes goes by. No one's coming out. So finally, and you can tell they're like scrambling. And one guy pops out. He's like, hey, man, we're just looking for the keys. We'll, we'll be right there with you. <laughs> and uh, 15 more minutes goes by. And at 6.45, they're about to close. And he's like, hey, man, we can't find the keys. <laughs> um, 
He's like, I don't know uh, what you think, but you could have any of these other trucks. Did you take the 28-foot box truck to take a boat away? <laughs> it That'd be wasn't so cool. one of the biggest ones, but it, I got a box truck, dude, and it was big. Yes. And I literally – dude, you know how crazy Orlando is in the middle – on a weekend in the middle of uh, summer when everyone's off school. It's just craziness, right, with Disney World and everything like that. And I'm driving – I take this box truck, and I'm pissed, dude, because I can't, like – it's just, they're just horrible to drive, right? Like when you're moving, you drive from point A to point B and that's it. But I'm stuck in this thing for three days towing a boat through Orlando. I drive it to John's house. Oh, and John's is, John is out using the boat scalloping in the ocean, which is fine. Like, hey, I'm the one borrowing his boat. So I need to work around his, his, what he's doing. And that's great. That's fine. But it just made it to be quite a marathon day. So he's like, yeah, man, I'm, dude, I'm sorry, but I'm only going to be home at like 1030 tonight. So I have to wait till 10:30. Drive an hour and 15 minutes through Orlando to get the truck to get his boat. I get back to the uh, I'm I'm driving the boat with the truck through Orlando. I get home at like uh, or back to the hotel like 12:15. Uh, find a place to park, and we're on the water the next morning. It was uh, it was quite the weekend of fishing. The actual fishing and the event went well. It was fishing was a little bit slow, as you would imagine in July at Lake Toho. You can get on some fish, but if you want to get on big ones, it's very like timing specific and spot specific. Like they'll feed really, really early. And if you know where a good shell bed is or maybe a good feeding spot, you might catch up a couple big ones early. And then it, it turns into a lot of smaller fish. And, and then maybe you hope for like a window in the afternoon where the storm coming in and get a little low pressure and catch one or two more big ones. We never ran across that. We just caught, you know, a bunch of just average and smaller fish. Bobby Lane one afternoon had caught a he caught a uh, six and a half and an eight, um, and then lost a couple more in like a one hour period. And then other than that, they hadn't caught. But like it, just, it went to show like man, the right place at the right time, it could still happen. But late July in Florida is not, especially for me, on like one of my worst lakes that I, I fish as far as like just a lake that doesn't click for me. It um, it wasn't a whack fest, but we caught we caught some fish every day. We we caught a lot of fish cranking actually. Um, of course, the boat didn't have graphs. Knowing John Cox, the boat did not have graphs. So um, typically, you don't need it that much in Florida, but it would have been nice to have the GPS because we're fishing offshore grass a lot. There was one point where we pulled up to a spot and caught three in a row, bang, bang, bang. And then the wind was really blown and we kind of drifted off. And dude, I never probably got on it again. I'll, I tried and I tried, but we were, <laughs> we were in the middle of nowhere, right? And I'm like, I would. I was trying to line stuff up on the bank, and I should have had some buoys or marked it on my phone. But, anyways, yeah, um, that's awesome. Struggled through it, and and uh, it ended up being fun. But so we're we're in the middle of the week now. I'm off today, and then uh, we start the actual iCast show in the next couple of days, which is which is fun. There's a lot of new products that you get to see, and uh, it, you have photos of the you have photos of the U-Haul. Yeah, I'll have to post it. It was uh, it was funny. One. Uh, a couple a, of, you had to get razzed pretty bad about that, huh? Dude, when I pulled up, every single person <laughs> in our group, like the media folks, the writers, the fishermen, they all had their phones out taking video and smiling and laughing. So it was fun. I mean, I had fun. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a glamorous rig. I mean, Cox had literally like spray painted his boat black after he unwrapped and was done using it. So uh, a U-Haul with a black painted aluminum boat, uh, I wasn't exactly styling, but we got the job done. The boat ran good. I really appreciate John letting me use it. And um, I'll be ready to get back in my rig. I can tell you that, man. I couldn't drop that U-Haul off fast enough. It felt so good to get that sucker off my hands. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to be back in my truck. So not only is John Cox fishing three tours, he's scalloping till 1030 at night on a day off. What a stud. Yeah. He's a, he's an absolute stud. I mean, I guess that's something he like, likes to do with his family, but he literally had that thing out in the ocean scalloping <laughs> the day uh, before I used it. There were seashells in the boat and stuff. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> sure if you can run the live wells to get that salt water out when you're out on tow. I'm like, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. <laughs> Dude. He's the true VIP sportsman. That's pretty good. He is a stud and an absolute hammer. So uh, just a great, happy-go-lucky, one of the coolest dudes and obviously one of the best fishermen in the world. 
random question. What do you have to do anything different for an outboard that lives in saltwater versus a freshwater other than just like cycling? I've never thought of that. Real good question. I wouldn't have a good answer. All I've someone knows. Yeah. Run run freshwater through it. Like when we'd have a tournament in brackish water, I would always try to dump it into a freshwater lake and at least just start the idle it for a while for a little bit. Yeah. What What do you think, Rob? I think that for sure. But I think like your trailer takes a beating. Yes. I think a saltwater boat or a freshwater boat in saltwater, it's life isn't too long. I don't it's think hard I, on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Did it have a galvanized trailer or aluminum trailer? No, it's or was a regular it? trailer, dude. You know, yeah. so. Uh, yeah. That thing will be like disintegrated. With cheese. Yeah. In no time. <laughs> and so. I don't think he's going out there often with it for sure. Yeah, I, don't I don't think it takes very often. I mean, like. Once it gets in there, and then even when you're putting it in fresh water, I think it just keeps reviving that salt. I don't think you ever get it out of a trailer. Well, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. That's my See, take we, on it. We would always laugh, uh, you know, the early days, well, the early days, the early days for me, fishing at Bass, we would start our season off at the Sabine River. We did it a few times, and we, <clears> we'd joke, like, because you would always get out of the water and do some awesome residual damage to your boat um first term right out of the gate oh yeah so the first term of the year you get all that salt in there and then the rest (laughs) of the year the rest of the life of the boat you so it was always a fun thing to start out um it's awesome yeah you know you'd be fishing freshwater but where the launch was it was extremely brackish it's pretty dang close to the ocean so kind of funny um so josh tell us about icast and what it's all about like like it's not open to the public is it it's more um like tackle shop owners or buyers yep um, it's a different and, show for sure yeah talk about that a little bit so you know yeah you need a you need a pass to get in so yeah you can be a company that's in the industry that's got a booth you can be a media member or you can be a retailer right a, a tackle shop owner or some a, a, you know some, some type of buyer and, and a lot of it is it's the companies showing their new products that they came out with that's probably the biggest thing. Um, another big thing is, is, uh, are just, yeah, like you said, the buyers will come in and actually place a lot of orders, um, at the actual show, you know, so that's, that's a big thing. And then, um, also just on the media and marketing side, uh, there's a lot of work that's done there where, you know, uh, some people are here to kind of talk about uh, maybe a host of a TV show comes to, meet a new sponsor or talk with an old sponsor talk about okay what what am i doing this year um what can we do to to renew our partnership for next year um a lot of media as far as like fishing websites fishing magazines they they send representatives here to to get content like they'll come into the berkeley or abu garcia booth and i'll walk them through and do some videos of the new products that are coming out so there's a lot of different stuff that gets done it's it's an easy week and it's a, it's a tough week like as far as just work goes like it's easy because you're just sitting in an air-conditioned building but they're pretty long days and uh and you're here to work so you get you get a lot accomplished and a lot done there aren't very many times when like everyone's in the same place at once so you definitely try your best to make the most of it and um you know the last few years man like uh, the bulk of this I'll, I'll go work all my sponsor booths um this week i think basically garmin and uh, Berkeley and Abu are really the only ones with booths that I'll be spending a bunch of time at. And um, like Berkeley and Abu, they've had a lot of new products the last few years. Um, on the Abu side, they've got some sweet rods. They've got, if you're into high-end rods and reels, they've got one called the Xenon coming out. And uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's they're, they're both, the rod and reel are so light, so sensitive. Um, the reel is so smooth. They're pretty amazing, and they've got new stuff all the way down to the to the you know entry level stuff. That's what we used at Toho the last few days, so that was cool. And then on the Berkeley side, obviously that jerk bait that Hank Cherry had uh, used in the classic that that thing is phenomenal. I've been using it a bunch. That's coming out. One interesting thing that um, I'll be curious to hear your take, guys, is uh, they've got they've got a new series of jigs, which we haven't had jigs in a long time. And the jigs are designed by Bobby Lane, Gary Klein. They're really really good jigs to begin with, but the skirts are scented with power bait, which really hasn't been done before. I've never seen a scented skirt. So, uh, you know, why wouldn't you do that if you've got the ability to have a scented skirt? If you're using a scented skirt with a power bait on the back, I mean, there's there's no need to apply any scent to it. So 
I, yeah, I that's, think it's cool. That's pretty cool. I, when you say that, I think it's going to be very expensive though. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, dude, it's, it's funny how the cost of everything has gone up over the last several years. Like a jig, when I started bass fishing, they were two or three bucks. Yeah. And now a standard jig is five or six bucks, right? Five sixty nine, four ninety nine, and I think it's gonna fall right in that range, dude. I don't know exactly, yeah, yeah. but it's 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 not gonna be more than the other jigs, I guarantee. Yeah, that's a great idea, though. That thing's gonna be, that'll be good. I have the worst fourth grade mind. All I can think of when I hear scented skirts is nothing that applies to this podcast, <laughs> but. I, uh, I'll be excited to give that a shot, man. When does that stuff come out? Like in 2021, like after ICAST or is it still in the, the, you know, production line? That's a good question. Yeah. So it's, so pretty much they're done with production. They're, they're ready to go. So we, we show them this week, announce them this week, and then they're pretty much university avail or universally available in September. That's kind of the cool. process that a lot of the companies use. They develop through the year show it at iCast, and then by in September, they're actually hitting the shelves at the stores, assuming nice. that production goes okay during these crazy times. But, dude, I'm cool. Dude, Nick, that's, I hope no fourth graders are thinking like that. I'm thinking yeah, that's no kidding. Like, like a 10th grader type thought process. I don't know, man. But you hung out with a teenager lately? <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, but that's pretty much the, uh, you know, a product like, you know, it, it might take a year or two to develop, but the goal is to have it ready by June, and then um, they're hitting the shelves usually in the fall. How about how about Garmin? Do you see anything coming out from them? Dude, that's a that's a good question. You know, they've got uh, they've got a couple uh, you know a couple new things, but as far as in the in the like like transducers and stuff like that, but they've had so many crazy new product launches over the last couple years that I think this year they're they're just rocking and rolling so good. I don't think they have they've had to make too many changes. So maybe I'll be surprised when I get in there, but I don't know of anything myself. The, the one, one thing that I'm interested in seeing coming out is the power pole trolling motor. Supposed yeah. To be, yeah. That's yeah. going to, I mean, it's been what, three years they've been talking about it. It's been a I was long time. To say that man. Yeah. They've been talking about, you know, it was when the, when the Garmin trolling motor was released and the Lorenz trolling motor was released, the power pole was supposed to be right with it. And it's interesting that they held back a few years. So I think everyone's really curious to see how it'll be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they definitely hit it out of the park with their, their power pole charge. Dude, so that thing, we'll that see. charge is, uh, I probably talked about it on the show, but it's so unbelievable for, you know, we were fishing long days in our last tournament at uh, St. Lawrence in New York, and we were fishing heavy, heavy current, right? And our practice days are 14 hours long. So, like, if you just have regular lead or AGM batteries, like, they will not last that long. But the cool thing about that charge is it's, it's actually charging your batteries when you're on the water. And when your big motor's running, it's got, like, this – it's it's like an alternator on steroids and you can you can divert the energy you can say okay prioritize the trolling batteries so it'll take all that energy from from your big motor and put it into your trolling batteries when you're running so it can keep you running for a long long time it's it's very cool and then yeah. that's just like it gets a big shot overnight when you have it plugged in too is that where it gets a lot of its its juice the it'll, yeah and it's, it's a regular battery charger in that aspect so it'll charge it'll charge your batteries quickly overnight um and then on the water it can maintain them you can you can just set the priority to whatever so you can if you're cranking batteries low you can prioritize that um or you can just have the priority to all and what it'll do is it'll just keep all four batteries at the same level all day long so it's awesome it is pretty amazing. Let's see what else we got, guys. We've got uh, now Nick had brought this up a couple weeks ago, and uh, Rob and I pretty much I completely ignored it. And um, <laughs> story of my life. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't think we got to it in that specific episode. But um, this came off of WiredToFish.com, and it's just like a a quick little run through of a lot of the state record largemouth around the country. And, and we talk about records, you know, a lot on here. I think just as fishermen, you're always talking about state records and stuff. But this article is kind of interesting because it it has just like a paragraph or two about every state record. And, and some of them are kind of what you would expect as far as the size for that state. But there were some really interesting ones. Um, just as you go through this, it's kind of cool because they've got a picture of 
of basically every one of these. And these are 34 of the state records. So 34 probably notable ones, but a couple uh, recognizable names when you're going through it. Um, the, the, the fourth one we see here is the Colorado state record. And it says Jared Edwards of the Jared Edwards Outdoors Show caught this record in September of 1997 on Echo Canyon Reservoir, Carolina rig. Um, so Jared Edwards, we, we all know him from his TV show. Uh, Rob's known him for a long time. He used to fish against him back in the day. 11.6 um, pounder out of Colorado. Yeah, 97. He had to be pretty young. He, was. he looks like he's 11. Yeah. He's in the picture. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's got to be under – he's probably 20 years old in that picture, right? Maybe. I, I'd be surprised if he was 20 in that, but who knows. And it claims it was his very first cast from the bank. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's cool. Yeah, he's based out of uh, Lake Powell now, isn't he? Yep. Isn't that so where he runs he a TV show out of Powell? And uh, yep. I know Roy Hawk's been up there a couple times to film with him. He's a great guy. Every time yep. I talk to Jared, he seems like a really, really great guy. Yeah, him and his dad used to travel to all the Western Bassmaster Opens. And, his, you know, his dad was just – it was awesome how he would help him out. So – and that, hey, they've been running one of those traveling fish tanks too. I don't know if they're still doing that, but like those hog troughs, those uh, bass fish or tanks, tanks that you would would fish for do bass at like expos to do seminars with. They ran one of those for a while, and it, it reminds me. I saw a post this morning. One of those things like uh, leaked in iCast this morning, and water oh. went during the setup. I guess like they went in there, and there's water everywhere in the uh, in the. Uh, yeah convention center this morning so i'll be curious to see how that Perfect. that's up. a disaster huh wow i don't know if that's i've never seen that happen before but it was about halfway drained i mean it's the size of a tractor trailer trailer like it's that's what it is and it's all it's just a Water. giant tank and that thing leaked all over the expo this morning so we'll see yeah that's going to affect a bunch of people's booths i would think <laughs> yeah dude what a mess what a mess Did you bring waiters yeah. <laughs> Rob, this isn't fly fishing. Okay. All right. Hey, so I don't know if anyone has the link pulled up, but I think I just looking at this, um, Arkansas gets the best picture. Uh, Rob, are you looking at it? I know Josh. I'm not. I need to. Sorry. Look at Arkansas. First off, that fish looks like it's only been dead for 10 years. He buried that That's under his garden. Lie. Dude, that thing looks like an old skin mount. And then the next part of that picture is that is the best mustache the United States of America has ever produced. Look at that thing. That is just a big black caterpillar. That's El Chapo, yeah, isn't He's it? got rest. Dude, resting, <laughs> resting bitch face. I know we're not allowed to cuss, but that is the best RBF in the history. Look at that guy. He's angry he caught that record. Aaron Martis. My boy. Yeah, and you know that dude's still alive. I he think he is the rational redneck. <laughs> okay, so then... So then we need to go. So I think the next thing that I thought was amazing, dude, I couldn't believe there was an 11 pounder out of Delaware. Yeah. That's a shocker right there, man. That's a uh, beautiful Northern looking fish. Yeah. Yellow. Oh yeah. That is. Yeah. Connecticut's 1961, uh, <laughs> 12 pound, 14 ounce largemouth looking a little tough also. <laughs> I like the, the unbuttoned was... shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was right before he filleted it. They need to call that scale into question. I think that needs a recount. So Florida, Boy. we've got a 17-pounder. Apparently, there was a 20-pounder caught on Big Fish Lake, ironically, but it was weighed on a postal scale in 1923, and – there was not a Florida, Florida biologist on hand, so it's not the official record. Um, Brutal. Look, yep. Look at the Hawaii. Look at the build, the build on that fish, dude. <laughs> like it has two stomachs. That's unbelievable. Have you ever caught a fish that had that two-stomach look? You'll see that once in a while in those Southern California trout eater pictures with those big bass, but yep. I've never I've never caught one like that. What a fish. That thing's only twenty inches long and it's yeah, he's nice. like a five pounder, but he weighs nine nine. Dude, Hawaii like a, is just a little yeah, bit of a sleeper. Like a... Sorry, Rob, I stole, that. Your, you, stole your thunder. Have you ever heard about people really catching them in Hawaii? Bass fishing, no, but I know that like in the saltwater world, 
Um, you always think, I, when I think of Hawaii, I always think of like blue water, like, you know, kind of like our buddy Adrian Avina fishes for like, you know, all that billfish stuff. But there's actually like inshore, like bone fishing. Really? I didn't know they had 10 pound uh, bass in Hawaii, but uh, it's a sleeper over there. I, I don't really have any interest in going there during the, the pandemic era. I think they've had some of the worst lockdowns, but they have some pretty interesting fishing. That's cool. Yeah, I know. I, you know Go ahead. I was just say just transition. Iowa and Indiana both have female record holders. I thought that was pretty cool. That was one of the notes from back in the day when we saw this. I think I like the lady from Iowa. She's got like that look on her face. Like she's looking at her old man. Like if you try to take credit for this, I will cut you. Mm-hmm. Look at that her face. face. Absolutely. My, my fish boy. <laughs> That's exactly what she's saying. <laughs> look at that, dude. That's so good. Right. The Indiana is more of a classic, uh, just a happy look yes. with her fish but what a giant fish 14 pounds 12 ounces who yeah, wouldn't be told. happy huh yeah jennifer is a, a pleasant woman she looks like someone that you would like to hang out with and like you know be around but patricia looks angry over there in iowa she's like she's she's that's her fish you let her have it and it says here on as a side note her son jesse jennifer's son jesse went on to fish for indiana university where he won several college tournaments and now works for mlf so uh nice. wow they're That's a cool. family yeah it'd be pretty cool to be like yeah my mom's a state record holder uh for largemouth here but what a giant come, fish. comes from oh. great dna no dude fish 15 pounder out of massachusetts that's another shocker the northeast is just kicking them out i wouldn't have guessed that that's the biggest shocker of all of them, man. 15 pounds, eight ounces. And, and it says no one else has gotten close. I wouldn't be shocked if anyone else is not, if, if no one's caught even a 11 uh, pounder out of Massachusetts. That's unbelievable. I agree. And hey, look, look at the cannonball in that fish's stomach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're it's gonna, still a big fish, though. Like, it's the giant. A body, you know? Absolute giant. Next week, we're going to have Walter Bolanis of Massachusetts on to ask him if that's real. I think he faked that. I think he shoved weights in his stomach or something. We need to find the uh, intern in India is going to find Walter Bolanis. I'm sure he's still around in Massachusetts. He's coming on. That's great. (laughs) Look at Mississippi. That's a good one. So let me let me go back to Minnesota. It's amazing. As good as the fishing is in Minnesota, not even a pounder. I mean, how many bass have been caught? How many four and five hundreds oh. have been caught in Minnesota? A million. Yeah. Millions, yes. Nine dude, he caught, dude. caught it on an inline blue fox spinner. <laughs> that's what's going wrong. Everyone's, you know, they're not throwing inline spinners. Blue fox, that's classic. <clears throat> yeah, Mississippi. Um, how big is that thing? 19 pounds. See, what's amazing is if you look at that fish, dude, <clears throat> I don't see a 19-pounder. Clearly it is, but like, that's just a, a, a poor picture of a 19. It's, I don't know. Does that look like a 19 pounder to you guys? Not necessarily. I mean, 19 is just ridiculously big. It that's is. almost two tens. I mean, that's, that's not fair. Like, a, like an 11 pounder. Yeah. In that yeah. picture. Yeah. Maybe a different yeah. angle. It's a 19 pounder. Anthony's got a little smirk on his face there too. We'll get him in in two weeks to ask him. Cause that one does look a little suspect. I think we need him to way in yep yep i'm sure he's listening uh-huh dude the montana one nine and a half that that seems reasonable i could see montana you know that being right where it needs to be but how does montana beat minnesota's big fit that's just insane it's crazy yeah that's yeah. A, that's that's one of the most shocking ones that there just hasn't been a freak 10 pounder up there it's obviously it's the cold but i guess um there's 10,000 lakes. You would think like someone would have a little lake in the back there. Yeah. Would you Good point there. Guess not. Yep. Good point there. One, uh, one yeah. thing I'm taking from this, sorry. It's just funny how like when you look at the, is that your lab jumping six feet in the air, Rob? Yeah. Is you hear him barking? The, I can. Yeah. I know he, he's going to be in the Olympics soon. I have another story about that after we're done with this. Perfect. So, Sweet. We, we won't let you forget, but it's just funny when you look at records like this, like the homie from Montana caught it on a live night crawler while trout fishing. Isn't that amazing how like record fish usually fall to people who are just out there freestyling it in like a lawn chair with like a class B motor home. And then I, it's like, this fishy stuff's easy boys. I got this. You know, where was the, someone said the state record of one state was caught it might not have been, it was a lake record. It was caught on power bait. 
That's but beautiful. I think what it really was caught like on was what, what ate the power bait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. You think on purpose? No, I was just swimming around out there and then it got eaten probably on the retreat. Right, Rob? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. New Jersey kicking out a 10 pounder. I could probably attest for that. A lot of these are private ponds. North yeah. Carolina is a private pond. Ohio is a private pond. New York. Where's Oklahoma? Since I saw James hey, walk James, behind you, you there. Heard of Cedar Lake? Yeah. That's been, where the state record was caught. Been there. He's been there. Have you ever caught any big ones there? I went there and I caught zero bass. I went kind of on a cold front day in March. And uh, I can tell you the story behind it. Uh, can you guys hear him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you that the story behind Cedar Lake. I went there. So it's, it's a little bitty, it's like a pond size, but it, the, the place went almost completely dry. And I had all the bushes and stuff growing up. So it had the new lake effect when it came up, the department stocked it with their best brute stock and uh, fingerling fry and just all, all sizes of Florida strain. And it's kind of in the, I think it's the Ouachita mountains, like that kind of part of Eastern Oklahoma. So it stays warm enough for the Floridas and I think one of those, the state record was a brute stock, one of the, the breeding Floridas that they used to use wow. to make the fingerlings. Wow. But yeah, there were several big ones caught out of it, but it's not like a huge lake. It's, I think it's a idol only. I, I, that's all I did is put around on an idol. I, I drove like two hours to it. So you went because you knew it was a big fish lake. Yeah, I just wanted to, to check it out. Lake. Yeah. So that's the story on it. It's a little bitty. It's pretty tight, man. Yeah. But there was a bunch of people there. There was people there from Arkansas, Texas, just because of that. And wow. it was Mark. Yeah. It, what year was that? Because it doesn't say the year. Dude, on it this. looks like a like a good quality, really recent picture, though. Yeah, pretty current, huh? Seven years ago, maybe. Okay. Oh, seven, eight years. Okay. Yeah. Right on. yeah. He caught it on an Alabama rig. Yeah. Uh, of course. It was about the time that that all came out, probably. Yeah. You know. You know, that's another thing, too. You can tell that, like, at least half these pictures look super old. So, angling pressure, more fishermen, definitely has an inverse, you know, effect on records. Absolutely. Yep. But Dale Miller representing with his Alabama rig. Here's a cool one. Rhode Island, 11-pounder, um, but he caught it after dark on a jitterbug. <laughs> on a jitterbug. That's cool. <laughs> From the bank, or near the bank. Yeah, that is cool. Unbelievable. Down 16. there in Johnson's Pond. Don't tell nobody. That's a secret. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like South Carolina's got a 16. South Dakota's got – see, now look at that nine-pounder out of South Dakota. How much – like, that doesn't even compare to that 18-pounder. You know what I'm saying? Like, pictures lie. Well, look what photos do to fish because look at Rhode Island's 11-pounder and scroll down one and look at um, <laughs> South Carolina's 16. <laughs> yeah. Like – Yeah. Exactly. Mind I mean, it's, it, it is very hard to tell. And yeah. uh, Photos are everything. Where South Dakota looks like a 17-pounder. No. <laughs> dude, if you caught that and it only weighed nine, you'd be on suicide watch. Be like, yeah. That thing's every bit of 27. Crazy. Lake Fork still has the uh, state record for Texas. Man. 18 pounds. See, that fish doesn't look 18 either, but it's just it's just photos that are – yeah yeah they're not so here's here's how we're going to monetize this gentlemen we're going to set up an, a webinar on how to take big fish pictures you can make your three look like a six you can make your seven look like a 19 if you just follow these three easy steps well, you thought my five was like seven or eight so on a bad day week. yeah yeah so rob will be leading that yeah big guy in him if you guys are following along if you guys pulled this link up it is the virginia picture is hilarious dude look at the virginia picture i was just on that too you gotta look at this the way this guy's holding the state record in virginia i can't even talk <laughs> like it's just just please go look at it how first off he has the strongest right index finger i'm pretty sure he's supporting the entire right half of that 16 pound four ouncer with his index finger underneath the top lip it's unbelievable Almost looks like a pinky finger, bro. It might be. 
I'm just glad he pulled him out of the freezer to take a photo. <laughs> it is the eye. <laughs> Well, he got home from church. They say he's wearing his Sunday's finest. And then he had, you know, when you add the ice in, it's a 16-4. Washington's uh, a good-looking fish. And then, hey, best for last. The last one they've got is Wyoming, where hey. it just came from. Clean burn ponds, 11.51. Yeah, only okay. not too long ago either. Pretty cool. The one yeah. thing that you see on all these fish is they're just absolutely engorged. They're so fat. Yep. They're so no, fat. I agree. That's how they you get an extra couple pounds, I guess, to be the state record. They just you're never gonna find a forty inch long largemouth, you know. But yeah. they, they just start growing out. So you think of the you think of like the northwest part of the country, like well, Wyoming, Montana, the northern those fish are probably trout eaters. Fair. And you yep. take like a state like Minnesota and it's just Purely, probably a, a forage thing is why those fish aren't as big. Very so, yeah. You're unlikely to catch one that's got seven trout in its stomach, huh? Right, right. And they're just not. That's just my take on it. I mean, I don't know what the what's the main forage in Minnesota has got to be crawdads, bluegill, perch. Yep. yep. But a lot of lot of lot of um, spiny type fish that are hard to eat a big one. You know, not the. Yeah. Pound and a half trout that slides down. I think, dude. So, and I and I bet you know the pike and those things just live four times as long as bass, and that's why they get huge in Minnesota. They probably you know muskie's probably an old fish. Well, and their their ability to hack down a you know one pound perch is a lot easier than a you know than a bass. So true. Just different. Yeah, different Who predator. Knows? Just a thought. But did you guys see the picture I just texted you guys? Let me see. Yeah, you're. You're another, you're a dog grandfather. Dude. It is doesn't. that yours or is it Boyd's? Oh, no, it's ours. Nice. Via. Well, what happened here, man? So I made a, I made a joke and text the little ad to the Black Lab to my wife and Boyd and his girlfriend, and it backlashed on me. So now we have a eight-week-old Black Labrador. So uh, what's, what's his name? Give me a good fishing name. His name is Finn. No like way. Hawk. Huck Finn, though. Awesome. Like Finn. So, yeah. He's a cool dog. So, uh, how do they get along, your two dogs? Good. He runs around and jumps on uh, on Hudson and on Penny and just bites her ears. He thinks Penny's his mom. He pulls on her belly all the time with his teeth, <laughs> thinking he's going to get a, get some milk. But a little that's drink. Not happen- yeah. So, <laughs> Dude. He's, uh, he's classic. So, every you're going to have one shoe everywhere now. Like, you're, you're mm-hmm. not going to have a pair of shoes. Anything that's three feet or lower is going to be all your new baseboards are going to be holy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Well, yeah. it could be worse. You could have a two year old that's never healthy and screams at you all the time. So yeah, you have the dog equivalent of that. We do unfortunately, but oh, well, it's hilarious. Well, that's cool, man. Um, what else do we have guys? Do we have any, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, used boat market real quick. Cause uh, it's amazing. Like we talked about, before the podcast, how everything's blowing up, inflation's insane. But man, just like if you're scrolling through Facebook, you see a boat for sale. Like I saw a 1993 17 foot nitro with a 110 on it. 20 grand. Nine grand. But dude, that, <laughs> wow. boat, that boat was worth five grand 10 years ago. 900. Yep. Yeah. yeah. My take on it is whatever boat you have, if you put an old Trex on it, it's immediately worth 20. Yep. If you put something in all trucks with a Garmin, Lowrance, or Hummingbird, it's worth 20 or 32. I mean, it's just, yeah. you see a 2003 boat with all the stuff on it and they're wanting 45 grand for it. It's like, that's not how it works, guys. But of course it is. obviously oh, it is. So, seller's yeah, market, man. Right. The, the electronics could be a big reason for it, right? Like if you are yeah. throwing five grand in electro or 10 grand in electronics, like that wasn't a thing 10 years ago. So that I guess does add some value, but it's just wild. But what I, oh. I feel bad for the folks that fall for that and then buy a boat with a motor that's going to blow up a week yeah. later, you know, yeah, I hear that. and then all of a sudden you're deep, you know, you're having to repower a boat and yeah, that's not cheap or yeah. motors aren't even available right now. I mean, they're even hard to come by. So. 
cars and boats are not the same, obviously, but go into the analogy of putting 10 grand of electronics on, maybe boats are different, but in the car world, when you put 10 grand of stuff into it, it adds a value of negative $10 most of the time. Cause every, yeah. you know, I, well, I say that facetiously, but it is not dollar for dollar increase. No, because well, a lot of time in a, in a car or a truck or whatever, now you've limited your buyers because it's a certain style, right? People want stock, you know, well, they want a blank canvas if they want to do it themselves. So, um, yeah, I don't, I just, it's so funny. You see the high price and then you start scrolling down. You're like, okay, it's got an old tricks. It's got (laughs) this, it's got that. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's where people are justifying those prices, but also even, even, you know, new boats, the 19s, 20s, 21s, I mean, I've seen prices up to like 95 grand on a used boat. And it's like. At that point, it's just a privilege to even be considered to buy that boat. You know, paying the 95 (laughs) is like a bygone. It's just a privilege to have the opportunity. Yeah. And guys will bust on them and their response is, well, it's available today versus three months from now. And then three days later, they'll go back to the comments and say sold. Yeah. (laughs) With a peace finger emoji. Yeah. Whoever thought you could just go order boats and make money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Start ordering them and you become your own dealer. America. You know, it's funny. I have a neighbor. This is totally off topic. I apologize because no one's probably listening anyways. But uh, in the depths of the COVID panic, you know, like talking like late March, early April, I have a a guy, a neighbor friend and dude, he like had this weird timing where he's a salary job and he got a big bonus from the previous year's performance. And that guy had the courage to go and put money down on like five new builds in Gilbert yep. because at that point Genius. everything stopped everything Genius. stopped dude no one was doing nothing yeah it was suffice to say a new build contract in April of 2020 <clears throat> doesn't look like a new build contract in July of 21 so good for him he's had to make a half a million dollars I bet like you said ordering boats dude just signing pieces of paper and being They're like all hey 25 percent yeah I bet dude. oh yeah it's a joke incredible yeah I love America yeah, hopefully we're saying the same thing in five years. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, just because you need a wheelbarrow full of credit cards to buy a slice of bread in five years, don't let that deter you from the greatness of inflation. I hear you. Well, uh, it's been fun catching back up with you guys, man. Um, thanks again for listeners. We're a couple days late, but uh, who knows? We may start dropping these things on Tuesdays just for a, just for a change. Uh, we'll see, but we'll be back at you guys next week. I'll be home on uh, Saturday. and. Um, you guys have any plans to fish this week? Nick, are you itching to fish, dude? Oh, itching to fish. I feel like someone who's having an allergic reaction. I'm so itchy to fish. So hopefully um, Rob will take me to his bighorn sheep locations and I can take a couple of pictures <laughs> worthy of the gram and call it a five pounder. But yeah, I definitely want to get out. My Dude, all that rain, my dad sent me a picture of my boat, you know, lives in my backyard and my cover went to just like tatters. And uh, I'm thinking about stocking some fish in the uh, footwell of my boat. I think I'll just be like that homie at Lake Powell and just travel around and like, look at these 14 inches in the bottom of my boat. I don't know why. It doesn't even surprise me, Nick. <laughs> I it shouldn't. No. Do you know if you pull your plug, that doesn't happen? Uh, I haven't really checked. I pulled the plug, so hopefully it's only okay. three feet of water. But dude, we were just talking about the used boat market. I tell you what, today only, instead of 45 grand for this boat, I'll take 44.5. You don't have an Ultrex, so you need to upgrade to that, and then it'll be worth 52. He's going to upgrade to a Garmin Force when he gets my boat. <laughs> right. Yeah, we locked in that price in 2011, right, Josh? I was talking about to 25. say, yeah, price is changing, Nick. After <laughs> what? Conversation. Dude, homie discount. Yeah, you got it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so hopefully I get some fishing. Rob, you fishing? Not sure. There's a chance. There's always a chance, I guess. So hopefully I get some trips and start doing some trips. That'd be fun. Awesome. Well, awesome, guys. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back at everybody next week.